What do you believe today that you didn't believe a year ago or 10 years ago? Or what about something you don't believe now that you used to believe? A belief is just a thought, a thought you keep thinking, a sentence in your mind that you repeat so often that it starts to seem true. Usually we aren't even conscious of what our beliefs are until we subject them to scrutiny. I never believed that I could commit to a vegan diet until I stopped thinking that thought. I never believed that this introvert grandmother could have a podcast, work with clients, or write a plant-based coaching methodology. What was I thinking? How could I have been so wrong about me? Hello, VegHeads. You're listening to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name is Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here to try and convince you to show up, eat more plants, and not wait a single second longer to set an impossible goal, whatever that is for you. Episode 7, where we ask, what are you thinking? Welcome back. We're on a roll here. Episode 7. I just read that 12% of podcasts have only published a single episode. 6% haven't made it past two episodes. And that half of all podcasts have 14 or fewer episodes. So I'm on my way doing something I never ever, ever believed was possible for me. Why did I not believe that? Because I had a bunch of thoughts like, I'm not a good public speaker. No one will listen. I'm too old to be a podcaster. Not many people care about plant-based coaching. It'll be too hard and too time-consuming. The technology is beyond me. And people will make fun of me. And it's not that I never think those thoughts anymore, because I do. But I have some new thoughts that get repeated a bit more often right now. The main one, this is kind of fun. And let me tell you that fun is a pretty good reason to do something. Podcasts were my primary plant-based companions when I started moving to a vegan diet, and I've mentioned a bunch of them on previous episodes, and I honestly feel like I know many of those podcasters and that we're friends, even if they couldn't pick me out of a lineup. PFFs, I call them, podcasting friends forever. My point being that I didn't really have any vegetarian or vegan friends or acquaintances. So plant-based podcasts really helped me to consistently think new thoughts and believe that it could be possible for me. That's what I hope to offer, my voice, my thoughts, and my story. Showing up here weekly as a plant-based fellow traveler on this path 
I think most people would see me as kind of conventional, kind of traditional. I have three grown kids. My husband and I have been married for over 30 years. I drive, I drive a, wait for it, a Volvo. We have a grandson who's about six months old. I might not be most people's stereotype of a vegan. I don't think. But I do think, I believe in many ways, moving to a plant-based diet, even very imperfectly, even in late middle age, even in late, late middle age, can make an enormous difference for you. And if you ever think that too, I want to help reinforce those thoughts. That's the belief that fuels me to try and reach out and encourage people, maybe encourage you, to consider eating more plants and fewer animals, even if you aren't most people's stereotype of a vegan either. And especially if you think, like I used to, that you could never commit to a whole food plant-based diet. So when I think the thought, oh, my voice sounds terrible on this podcast, or I hate the way I said it, or I lose the recording because I'm not that great with technology and Audacity, the app I use, I want you to know I'm not immune to crappy thoughts. But I have learned to practice countering the negative thoughts, at least the ones I notice, with a couple of equally true but more positive thoughts. Regardless of the topic, it's important to always make equal time for positive thoughts because we humans have what the psychologists call a negativity bias. A negativity bias, for example, is, well, say you went to the beach and had a lovely day and the water was fabulous and the picnic you brought was delicious and everyone had fun and you went back to the car and someone said, your hair is such a mess, it makes you look like a crazy witch. I just made that up, obviously. That never happened and ruined my day. What do you think one would remember about that trip to the beach? The ocean, the waves, the picnic, or the crazy witch hair comment? Many of us will remember the crazy witch hair comment because negative experiences tend to affect us much more than positive experiences. The negativity bias is the tendency for humans to pay more attention and give more weight to negative experiences or thoughts than to neutral or even, even positive experiences. Even when negative experiences are inconsequential, humans tend to focus on the negative. We focus on the guy who cuts us off in traffic or the woman who pushed in front of us in the checkout lane or the one review out of 36 that says, eh, kind of mediocre. It's why bad news sells newspaper and negative political campaigns motivate voter engagement. Not that we see that sort of thing in the U.S., thank goodness. Think about the many compliments you have received from friends or colleagues. You probably felt flattered at the moment, but then you went on with your day. Compare that to even a single 
passive-aggressive remark. It probably affected you more deeply, maybe even consumed your thoughts, or carried over for days. In some cases, maybe even years. Does that ring a bell with anyone? Remember Linus, the wise comic book character with the security blanket, friend of Charlie Brown? He said, good things last eight seconds. Bad things last three weeks. So why are we so tuned in as humans to the negative? Bad news signals danger. From an evolutionary perspective, learning to identify potentially hazardous situations was vital for survival in a harsh environment rich in predators. For most of the podcast listening public now, there are fewer daily threats, but humans are still hardwired for self-preservation. We can look at the beliefs that we were taught as we grew up, and we can see the ones that have really served us, because most of our beliefs start out as sentences, sentences that someone said to us when we were young. My mother always used to tell me that I was smart, but lest that thought turn me into an egomaniac, the compliment came with the but of, but you're very lazy. I told you last week, or maybe it was the week before, that I'm 12th or 13th generation New England Puritan on my mom's side, right? Not a lot of unrestrained gushing compliments on that side of the family. In my case, anytime I got a compliment on my work or achievement, since then I always silently in my head, but definitely add the little coda, thank you, that's a nice compliment, but I'm actually very lazy. We often think that being negative is more realistic or that it encourages us to work harder or that it protects us from the disappointment of wanting more but not getting it. We also think being negative is better manners than being a self-aggrandizing egomaniac. As if that's the only alternative. Harsh negative self-criticism on one hand, or arrogant grandiose narcissism. I think there might be some middle ground. When we remind ourselves about the existence of the negativity bias in most of us, it can help us get a glimmer of what we're doing to keep ourselves stuck. When I first began moving away from meat, dairy, and eggs, I had a bunch of negative thoughts that seemed very true. Thoughts that made me think going vegan would be impossible, at least in my situation. At the risk of sounding like a very shallow, insecure person, one of the omnipresent thoughts I had on repeat was, my family and friends are going to be so annoyed if I go vegan. I had a lot of these imagined scenarios where my family would be exasperated or where it would ruin a holiday gathering. Or we'd be out together and then it would ruin a meal in a restaurant if they had to try and enjoy their dinners when there wasn't much on the menu for me. 
Okay, I'm not saying that nothing like that has ever happened, but there have been occasionally negative situations over dinner across the past five decades when I was an omnivore that had nothing to do with me or anyone else eating plant-based. But I had to identify that negative thought and subject it to just a little bit of inquiry, a little bit of scrutiny to see it was pretty illogical. Yes, veg heads, there can be uncomfortable moments eating plant-based. There are uncomfortable moments, period, no matter what your dietary preferences. Have you ever experienced a bad meal, a restaurant order that came out wrong, an unhelpful server, or an exasperated, cranky dining companion? Have you, have you ever been accidentally served truffle fries? So gross, right? But you survived. And it didn't mean you decided that your diet and lifestyle choices were fundamentally flawed. Sometimes you have a lousy meal. And sometimes the people you are with feel bad about it. Or they criticize the way you ordered. That happened when I ate meat. And it happens sometimes now that I don't. But the thought that it would complicate meals and eating out with friends and family really made me hesitate committing to a vegan diet. Instead, I practiced ordering vegan meals sort of subtly for a long time before I went public. Honestly, it would have been a lot easier if I had just spent some time uncovering that negative thought that was making it so hard for me and subjecting it to a little scrutiny. I went vegan before I learned a lot about coaching, and I think, well, I know, it would have been a lot simpler and more efficient if I had had a coach or at least known how to self-coach. But no matter, this is, this is lifetime work. And even if I have the plant-based eating thing pretty handled, I have plenty of other areas to coach myself on. But let's talk about you. Does it just seem too hard for you to move toward a plant-based diet? Or maybe there's another area of your life where you think you want change, but it seems pretty impossible right now. And of course, there are some objective impossibilities. But those are not the ones that really nag at us, are they? I'm talking about the impossibilities that seem to require something intrinsic that we're missing, or we think it's just too much for us to handle right now, or it requires more support from someone, or a different skill set, or more organization, or more time. Yes, we know other peoples have done the thing we want to do, but they were unicorns, surely. Or they had more confidence or more money or more time or more. You fill in the blank. Most of us are just brainwashing ourselves daily with negative thoughts. The question then becomes, what do you want to believe? And how would it be possible for you to believe it? Three steps, three questions to change. What do you believe? 
what do you want to believe? And three, how do you practice believing what you want to believe? So today we're only going to really discuss the first step, noticing what it is you believe now, what you're thinking, without judgment, only curiosity. Epictetus, Stoic philosophy alert. Epictetus recommended daily self-scrutiny applied with kindness as a practice to help move us in the direction of our goals. What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your life? What do you believe about the people in your life? What do you believe about your past? What do you believe about your capacity in your future? Those beliefs that you have, those thoughts you're thinking, are so important. Do you see why? Because those thoughts and beliefs will determine your results, your thoughts. The sentences that you keep thinking over and over again are your beliefs. Your thought, your beliefs will determine how you feel about your life. They'll determine what you do and how you do it and with what commitment you show up to do those things. And ultimately, your thoughts will determine your results. Any of you thinking that you already know what you believe or that you don't need to know what you believe, please, please keep an open mind about this. It's really the most important thing to know. I can look at your beliefs right now. We could sit here and talk about your beliefs and I'd be able to tell you what your future will be like. Maybe you think, I don't have as much resolve as someone who goes vegan, or I don't have as much commitment. You might think it's just an objective fact, an observation of the truth, but it's a thought. I am committed. I am not committed. Those are both just thoughts. If you believe you don't have the commitment or don't believe that you have resolve, that is what's going to give you your result. It's not because you don't have commitment. Commitment is not a fact or an object or something some people are born with. It's just a thought. You have the same amount of ability to commit to something as I do. You have the same amount of resolve as I do. You might actually have more. That's the secret to the universe right there. Noticing what you believe, what you think is possible, and separating those thoughts, those sentences in your head from facts. If you take the same action that I take, eating plants, and not eating animal products, you would be eating vegan or plant-based. Those are facts. I eat vegetables, fruits, grains, seeds, legumes, and beans. I do not eat animal products. Those are facts. I don't have the opportunity to eat plant-based in my small town. That's a thought. It's too hard to eat vegan with my travel schedule is a thought. I can't commit to eating plant-based because of my kids. That's another thought. I'll never be able to give up cheese. Thought. 
There is the action of eating animal products and not eating animal products. Those are simple, no drama, and then all the thoughts. Most of us don't even recognize all those thoughts and beliefs for what they are. We think we're making observations. And you know, you can eat whatever you want. Honestly, you already do. But if you think you want to move towards a plant-based diet and you're having trouble, it is only because of the other thoughts you're still thinking. Thoughts you're repeating and reinforcing and brainwashing yourself with. So step one, changing your results. You have to find out what you believe now. Do you believe you can eat a whole food plant-based diet? Do you believe that you could change your life? Do you believe that you can achieve that goal you've been wanting to achieve? Do you believe that it's possible for you? You have to know. And it's okay if you don't believe. It's okay if you don't believe yet. In fact, it's really important to know. If you don't believe it, you won't create it. What you do believe is what you do create. It's what you have already created. It's what you're currently creating. If you believe that you could never give up dairy, well, that's what you'll get because there's no other way it can work. Your beliefs create your results. If you believe that you can do something, if you believe that you could do something, you'll do it. If you don't believe you can do something, you absolutely won't. Not until you start to think that the thought is possible. It could be possible. That sometimes it's possible. <laughs> That's just the way it works. I'm not even simplifying anything. It's just the truth. If I believe that I can create a podcast that will help some folks believe that they could move away from an animal-centered diet, I'm going to create a podcast that will help people do just that. If I don't believe that I can do that, well, I won't create it. I won't even record it. I won't send it out into the world. That's what I did for a long time. I didn't believe it was possible for me. I had to decide what I wanted to believe. But the first step, find out what you do believe, whatever that is. Second step, decide what you want to believe. Third step, practice believing. And here's how I recommend that you do it. Pick a specific area that you keep thinking you want to change. Pick something specific, though, and write down all of your current beliefs about it. If it's about limiting or eliminating animal products, pick that. Or maybe no longer eating dairy or chicken. But if it's your job, pick your job. If it's your relationship, pick your relationship. If it's writing a book, which is my area of limiting beliefs right now, doesn't matter what area you choose. But I recommend be pretty specific and then write down all your beliefs about it. There's no order. Just give yourself three to five minutes and don't stop writing. Don't lift the pen up. Little reasons, jokey reasons, reasons your brain says are so stupid, but you think them. Every excuse you've got. But try and write them like this. I think I can't blank because I think blank. Example, 
I think I can't stop eating cheese because I think my husband would have a fit. Or I think I can't change jobs because I think I don't have enough time to look for a new one. I think I can't go plant-based because I think I don't like to cook. No one has to see this but you, but list the people and situations, the finances, the governmental policies, HR. HR is always being blamed for ruining someone's life, I find. Notice if there's someone you're blaming. Maybe you think there's something wrong with you. Like me, maybe you think you're smart, but lazy. Or you would do this thing, but others won't like it or support it. List all the reasons and excuses you aren't already doing the thing you say you want to do. But remember the format. I think I can't blank because I think blank. It's also important to write this down. If you're not working with a coach, I suggest handwriting rather than on a computer. Now you know what you think is standing between you and the specific area you want to change. This is very good to know, and it's amazing how many of us really resist getting honest with ourselves about our thoughts, beliefs, reasons, and excuses. It's like that closet you don't open because if you do, you think you'll have to do something about all the stuff that's in it. But you don't. You don't have to do anything. And it's okay. You don't have to change a single thing you don't want to, I promise. But don't think that just because you don't look, it isn't there. I think that's generally very good news. It's good news to know the exact reasons you think you aren't doing something. And the reasons are always, only, ever your thoughts. You never, ever, ever have to change a single one of those thoughts. It doesn't mean those thoughts aren't there, though. So what are you thinking? I'd love it if you would email me one or two of the thoughts you notice that have been keeping you stuck in some area. In the next couple of episodes, we'll talk about how it's possible to start changing those thoughts if you want to change your life. But quite honestly, just bringing those current thoughts to the surface can really start some very positive changes in and of itself. So do the self-scrutiny with kindness, like Epictetus suggests. And if you're curious how doing this work with a coach could help you with your plant-based goals, let's talk. The link is in the show notes. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.